And welcome! It's the Dice Are Screaming! Oh. Coming at you on a Tuesday. Yes, this is our Tuesday episode, and we have a particularly fun topic that uh, we got really excited about this week. Uh, we discussed this a couple of days ago privately and went, oh my gosh, this would be fantastic to do, but I'm just teasing you with it. Right. Because first, we've got a call in. Call in, call in, call in. Yes, we have call-ins and also some shout-outs to do. See Thorin, thank you for your applause and also uh, good to see you doing again. And also Tim Shorts, Gothridge Manor, been keeping up with you. Keep it up, man. Ah, yes. And Larry Hamilton of Follow Me and Die, doing great on all fronts. You guys are awesome. We love you a lot. But uh, Oh, and uh, Tenkar and the folks at Tenkar's Tavern. I'm yeah. sorry I missed you last week, but it was great to listen in the week before. It was yeah. a good time. But uh, we're going to get right to the call-ins. This is Darren Green calling in from all the way across the pond. And we're going to turn it over to you. Take it away, Darian. Hi, guys. Arfed here. Um, my brother put me onto your podcast a few weeks back, but um, I don't like to call in until I've caught up with all the, the backlog of episodes. So just just caught up this weekend. Really loving the format, the uh bit of banter and uh, discussions between the two of you so um yeah i hope the format doesn't change in the future looking forward to future episodes but um my favorite episode up to now was the board game episode and um, that's something that is a big part of my life um board game probably twice a week whereas role plan probably only do once a week normally so um yeah nice to see that um hoping to do an episode with my brother at some point so um maybe you're listening to that and uh, you'll see my opinions and uh, get some ideas from what sort of role um board games i do thanks a lot keep it up thanks and that was darren green thank you and uh yeah, glad you're enjoying the episodes. Uh, ah, yeah, especially the board gaming episode, which uh, we really didn't get to cover anywhere near as much variety as we would have liked to. I mean, it's probably a whole other episode to talk about the more strategy-based games instead of the purely RPG-related. You know, the, we were covering the relationship in uh, role-playing games and board games at, at a very specific time period. It's worth a whole other episode to go into board board games because those are also an enormous amount of fun, man. Yeah, and there's so many to choose from. We barely got to really scratch the surface on that one, so we will be revisiting that. And Which, by the way, Colin and Darren, uh, I've been to London, and uh, there's a place there called the Forbidden Zone. And I, I have lived forever afterwards with the jealousy of a man that knows that uh, heaven is, a, you know, several couple of thousand miles away across an ocean. Uh, the Forbidden Zone is just like the most awesome uh, retro game nerd comic what have you paraphernalia. Uh, it dorkdom incarnate. I was so happy to be there. Uh, I'm, I'm envious. You are so much less distant from it than I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Mike's uh, often regaled me with tales of the Forbidden Planet. I'm very envious. But, uh, yeah, thank you for that, and uh, also, uh, when you do an episode with your brother, we'll definitely be uh, listening on that, so keep oh, it up. we'll tune in. Yep, and so, without further ado, we're going to get on tonight's topic. Okay, yeah, time to let it, I was holding it, I was holding the cards close to my vest, but uh, uh, it's time to put them on the table. Yep. 
We're talking science fiction gaming with Gamma World. Yeah, Gamma World. Oh, yeah. Roll me some mutations. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, my day wasn't complete until I've got a third arm growing out of my character's back. Uh, <laughs> you never have to get a back scratcher again. Uh, no, I, I remember Gamma World, although we were going to hit the origins of it, yeah. and... Uh, this is something I haven't played, and I've, I've played a lot of stuff, but uh, I never got my hands on a copy of Metamorphosis Alpha, which... Yeah, the, Metamorphosis Alpha started uh, as James Ward, of course, who also did Game World, and uh, Metamorphosis Alpha was, like, the first real science fiction game to come out in that time, and it was, uh, you know, kind of set up on Starship Warden, where it was like a colony ship and something that went tremendously awry. Dungeon in space. Yep, and you had a whole bunch of uh, a ship load full of mutants and androids and huh. robots and everything going awry. So you had to make sense of it. It was, for the most part, in the start, it was the first approach to somebody doing a science fiction game, and it was not lost on people at uh, that time. Like what Planet of the Apes, uh, Logan's Run. Stuff like that was out and about. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, uh, precursor stuff that could be called more post-apocalyptic than science fiction. Uh, you know, I mean, you had your Twilight uh, 2000. Uh, oh, yeah, that would come much, you know, much later. Uh, things like those were also nascent and in development, but, I mean, it was a somewhat different branch. You know, we're talking pure, serious sci-fi, you know, lasers and robots and yep. mutants and weirdness. And so it made a weird conglomeration, and it caught on with a lot of people, but they decided to expand on it and make it Gamma World, where there had been a post-apocalyptic setting. And, of course, my generation, and Mike's as well, uh, we were at that age where the bomb was a big thing, and, you know, that was going to be coming around the corner any time now, you know, we were living in, uh, you know, where, what, the doomsday clock was, what, two minutes to midnight or something like that? Yeah. Uh, those, you know, that, that Cold War era is gone now, and it's not really a paradigm that people can grasp. The idea of total planetary annihilation being a, a, a moment away. At just one, one terrible incident, somebody flinches, something goes wrong, uh, tensions rise too high, and it's all over. Uh, so, you know, there was an aspect of that that was reflected in the gaming literature of the time and in the science fiction and fantasy literature of the time. And it doesn't make sense to people now, but it, it did then. Yeah, and it was kind of one of those oeuvres of what if, and it, it seemed like it could be plausible. But Gamma World was different than most post-apocalyptic games that would come after it. Um, in that Gamma World wasn't really set in, like, the day after tomorrow. It was set, like, in the next two or three centuries. It was, like, uh, like 2300, I think, is when the proverbial fecal matter hit the rotating oscillator. And uh, <laughs> everything went to shit, so... <clears throat> yeah, the gist of it uh, was that humanity had continued to advance to a higher degree of technology than was present right now, and then suffered a terrifying collapse, and then long after that collapse, uh, you find people sifting through the wreckage uh, who have practically forgotten everything there was to know about the past. So 
it's as much a discovery of yesterday as it is of tomorrow. Uh, very much a nebulous world where you're uncertain of everything. Uh, none of the technology makes sense to you because, you know, you're, one day you're beating on things with sticks and knives. Uh, and, you know, you finally get your paws on things like antique guns and then later, of course, laser pistols and Fusion power armor and just these nifty things that, uh, you know, we had not yet really uh, come anywhere near the tech for. So it, it was both a reversal of technology in the sense that the world has been rendered comparatively primitive uh, and the highly technical stuff is out of reach and difficult to understand, but also science fiction-y at the same time in that there is all of this incredibly high-tech, out-of-this-world type stuff waiting to be looted. Uh, that was that was a major excitement point for me. Yeah, and it had a lot of similarities to Dungeons and Dragons in that you know instead of entering a long forgotten ruin, you were entering a long forgotten ruin of the ancients, looted with, insulted uh, with pieces of their past, <laughs> and technological items taking the place of magic items and so forth. And but the Twinkies are still good. Yeah, the Twinkies are still good. Yeah, case of Twinkies, boy. Ah, whole truck, and it's got nothing in it but ringdings. Oh, ah. ringdings. Ah, curse you. Yeah, and, you know, also the landscape had completely changed. You had uh, weird mounts like uh, those podogs and... Oh, yeah, podogs. Cactus uh, beasts. <laughs> Boy, that's a thorny ride. Um, yeah, <laughs> you want a little extra saddle leather on that one. Yeah, and, you know, you had uh, just array of new beasts to fight that pretty much, yeah, you were, there were orcs reskinned in certain areas, but things like angry, intelligent badgers and <laughs> giant carnivorous rabbits that turned things to rubber. It was really wild. And for a lot of people, it wasn't quite what they expected. Sometimes I entered the game with the expectation of the Road Warrior or Mad Max dancing through my head is like, you know, hey, I'm going to enter the wastelands. And sure, there were wastelands galore, but it was a lot different than what the landscape of the Road Warrior promised. Oh, very much. It was it was a weird fest, uh, especially the mutation charts. Uh, there were just a bevy of things that could go horribly awry uh, and also likewise work in your favor. I mean, you know, you could be... Uh, albino, uh, and, you know, also at the same time, uh, you know, have extra limbs, uh, or, you know, be, what is it, uh, photosynthetic in, in that you're fed by sunlight and water. Yeah. <laughs> just, just uh, pot them in, put them in a pot and let them sit in the, uh, corner. He'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No need for food. Uh, and yeah. kill with the power of your mind. You yeah. Know, just all these weird over-the-top mutations made it very non-just post-apocalyptic. So if you came into it thinking, Road Warrior, oh no, you got the bonus package. Yeah, and you know, when you learn a lot of these games that we're going to be talking about, when you come in, we had different expectations, but then when you learn to embrace the story and the setting, and began to change your percep 
perspectives, and once you accepted those changes, you began to learn that it was an immersive world all of its own with different aspects, being so far in the future and also such high-tech, such as things as robots, androids wandering around. Uh, I always liked that uh, it was a second edition one, the picture with Larry Elmore as the three uh, uh, androids, the worker, the soldier, and the uh, thinker archetypes. That was always a nice pose. As well as, you know, you found things like vehicles, hover cars, and things like that that could be running around. But all that stuff was really rare. And unlike D&D, it didn't have a class. You were just... Yeah, that's a notable thing to remember about Gamma World, is that uh, it was not class-oriented. It was more background-oriented. You know, there were people who had not been mutated and who had retained their, you know, humanity uh, throughout the centuries... There were people who had succumbed to mutation and had unstable, you know, effectively random mutations. Uh, There were androids as well. Uh, Yep, and mutated animals and even plants. That's right, you could play an intelligent walking cactus. (laughs) Which we have seen done. Yes. Uh, Oh, man. And then you can gather your little team of misfits... Uh, and wander down to the local gas station to see if there's anything left in the rubble. No, I... The other core difference was you really had the stats and hit points you started with. I mean, there you could edge upwards ever so slowly, but for the most part, you were as tough when it ended as you were when it began. Mm-hmm. And it was the loot that made the difference. A well-kitted-out party... Uh, was much more powerful and dangerous than a novitiate party with the bare minimum of rudimentary, you know, class one equipment. You know, we get a little wooden shield and a couple of spears and, you know, maybe somebody has a pistol with, a, you know, like three rounds of ammo for emergencies. Uh, that that was your, your big, you know, heavy hitting item there. Or a solar powered flashlight. That was my favorite off the loo rolls. Yeah, solar powered Basically useless. <laughs> yeah, it runs off solar energy. You know, I'm underground. Well, I guess it's not running. Talk on it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they they definitely had a good dearth of modules. You know, uh, Famine and Fargo was one of my favorite ones, but also Legion of Gold's a great, fun mini-campaign. Oh, the Legion of Gold. See, now that was, that was a campaign setting. Yeah. Uh, and much in the tradition of early TSR's better products, it created a place in which more than one thing was happening. This was not like, here's your dungeon, Delve, now shut up. It was, <laughs> here is an entire outlying area for a sandbox Gamma World campaign, plus here's several adventure-worthy scenarios inside this zone. Then the rest, you can fill in the blanks and come up with your own stuff. We planted a few little rumors and hints here and there. But it was good workmanship. I, I loved the Legion of Gold. Uh, well, except for fighting the actual Legion of Gold, who were serious uh, butt kickers and were oh. not to be taken lightly. Yeah, but, you know, you soon get geared up fast. And delving those ruins, bunkers, and things that other video games, like Fallout, would oh. definitely be well inspired by. Yeah, I don't think for a minute that there aren't, uh, you know, antecedents in Gamma World. You know, the that later games, including a wide variety of video games, really tapped into that vein. 
the, the sense of vault hunting. And Gamma World, for whatever vaults people may attribute to it, I, I don't know if there are uh, folks who are discontented with it, but whatever its faults, it contributed to the zeitgeist big time. Yeah. And it was there early, way ahead of the curve. So if you use zeitgeist, can I use gestalt? All right, yes. Yes, gestalt. I would like to say uh, gestalt of various types. Bless you. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of uh, various types of influences. Everything from a mutation table that would make Chris Claremont and Stan Lee proud from the X-Men yeah. to, you know, the uh, cryptic alliances. The oh, real yeah. uh, kind of... There was a meta story in there that you never really got at, but you hinted that, or they hinted and teased you that the cryptic alliances were the leftovers of what caused the great wars. They called it the Shadow Wars because they were fought clandestinely and they used weapons of such devastating effect that it's really kind of incomprehensible. They just weren't nuclear weapons, although there were those too. Oh yeah, a little bit of everything. Nuclear, biological, uh, you know, chemical. It just rendering whole regions absolutely and uninhabitable and leaving stray radiation that you know, is responsible for people developing, you know, serious mutations and you know, animals developing intelligence and morphing into, you know, more <laughs> considerably more dangerous creatures. Uh, man, angry badgers. Yeah, angry badgers. And yeah, <laughs> almost an Orwellian Animal Farm-esque uh, setting the uh, Zupremists. Oh, yeah. The mutated animals now believe that they had come to inherit the Earth. Yes, and, since it's humanity's fault and they screwed it up, uh, it's ours now. Yep, and also like uh, the healers. This is our time. A bunch of pacifists who uh, went around healing people. Yeah, which, boy, did you like that. Because uh, there was not a whole lot of that. I mean, you've got your med kits and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, not not a whole lot of uh, excess healing stuff laying around uh, in Gamma World. There was just a little core of things available to heal you with, and not too much beyond that. Not, not at all like D&D, where, you know, there's a healing spell on every branch. Yeah. So, while you were tough, you know, your resources dwindled thin. <laughs> over a prolonged period of time, your hit points went down, and they were hard to get back up. Yeah, Major Dungeon Crawl in Gamma World was a nerve-wracking prospect towards the end, because you, you were usually battered around a little bit by the time you were crawling back out. Yeah, let's go to town. Let's, uh, let's not hurry to get back here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could use a couple of weeks off. Yeah, and Gamma World also had another nice thing, um, the robots. And specifically, I'm going to talk about one of my... Uh, we are the robots. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to talk about one of my experiences early on. Is uh, I found a suit, a powered <laughs> assault army, and I thought I was the god king of Gamma World. And uh, I bothered poor Mike over a lengthy weekend of overnight gaming if he could run me and my character, my pure strange human, through uh, encountering a death machine. And I was new to the game, so I thought a death machine was within my reach, finally. And so Mike said, okay, you really want to do this? Well, and there's a certain logic to this, okay? You know, those who know the old game may chuckle and go, oh, buddy, you didn't know what you were in for. Uh, but, you know, if you run the D&D &D paradigm and then you look at the parallels, you know, the, the 
ultimate enemy in D&D is like, we're going to go punch a dragon in the nose. I mean, it's archetypal. It's just something people expect. Someday I will fight a dragon with this character. Uh, the death machine might as well have been Gamma World's dragon. Except that Gamma World ain't kidding around. <laughs> yeah, I went one, I went two rounds with it and I was ready to flee. Like, what do you mean it regenerates its force field? <laughs> it's, it's so right here, man. Oh my goodness. And, you know, the black ray gun batteries, fusion uh, <laughs> cannons. Not one, a battery of them. <laughs> you know, and my little, poor little uh, 100 hit point energy field fizzled in the first round with that con contact with the death machine, and I fled. <laughs> And, you know, afterwards I was like, well, this is something that, you know, you know, it takes a team of people in heavy arm assault armor even to try to best one in the best of days, and if you're fully charged and all readied. But, man, the game world was not kidding around when they said a death machine. That was one of the times where, you know, you think it's a dragon, but it's still within your reach, right? It, I mean, it can... St Do well, you bleed? And it was the you will. tool of the DM to place an area off-limits, or to make characters sneak. Uh, you know, because this is a bow you cannot fight. Uh, you know, like, this is the unassailable for moderate-level characters or low-level characters. You can't beat this, so you must find a way around. Uh, and it, it was very useful in that respect. It was, I'm sure, that it was designed intentionally to balk players and just say, this area's off-limits. No, no, you, no, they mean that. They mean off-limits. I know you're saying, you know, you found some cool stuff and somebody's got a fusion rifle. No, this area is really off-limits. Yeah, and the Death Machine was, uh, they're programmed uh, murder bots, literally, who just prowl around looking for anything that breaks their old programming barriers. But, uh... If Brock Sampson was made of chrome. Yeah. Now, fortunately, in Game World, you had ID cards and, and uh, control rods that you could use to control them, but uh, the Death Machine was unique, and only the highest level of identification allowed you to pass it unharmed. Yeah, and you and only you. Yeah, huh. you couldn't get your party passed. Uh, the point being that, I mean, they had also corroded a bit uh, the chaos of conflicting orders and, like, being left operating without any further instructions for, yeah, well, you know, uh, decades, if not centuries, yeah, uh, you know, had left them unresponsive to people's complaints. Like, stop killing everybody who comes near here. Uh, it does not acknowledge. Exterminate, exterminate. Uh, yeah, death machines were no joke, but Gamma World was chock full of even weirder stuff. Uh, the monsters seemed to have powers that were so much more random, so much more unpredictable. Yeah, like the Yexel, which was some kind of flying mammal lizard thing that ate textiles and preferred plaid. <laughs> but was strangely appalled by Paisley. Yeah, well, aren't we all? Oh, oh. yeah, you should be. My God, I'm, I'm no Yexel, uh, mostly because I don't like plaid. <laughs> uh, a nice flannel tartan thing, maybe. That's, that's, uh, I'm going to leave that open-ended there, but, uh, Oh, then I'm no stranger to the tasteful kimono. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Can't forget the kimono. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck Thorne, for that <laughs> cartoon. I know, we're still chuckling over that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I laughed so hard the kimono fell open. Oh, jeez. Ah. He still did it. Uh, 
Anyway, Gamma World was a wild and crazy place, and some people would later say that that was kind of its uh, downfall, is that it was just really off the rails. And yeah, you could get some crazy combination of mutations like Death Field Generation and Gamma Eye and Regeneration that made you nigh unkillable, but as much as that was, there was always the Death Machine. And that it had a built-in game balance, and no matter how tough you were, maybe a team of hardened adventurers who had suits of powered assault armor could avail themselves of a death machine. But that's so rare and in an extreme that it's a campaign ender and a long build-up at that. They had uh, about three good editions of Gamma World before finally it kind of petered out, and TSR kind of left it uh, on its way. They would revisit it a couple times over the uh, years, but, uh, you know, White Wolf picked it up uh, with their imp sword and sorcery imprint. Uh, they did a uh, kind of a three-book edition, the, you know, the Dungeon Master's Guide sort of player's handbook and uh, Monster Manual kind of approach. Hmm. And that was a pretty good one. That was more for the Die 23rd edition system, but... Uh, you know, you go to old Gamma World, yeah, it still lives on in Mutant Future from the OSR, from Goblinoid Games. And ah, I think that's a yes. pretty good one. And we played that a couple times and uh, had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, zero shame, too. We had a ball uh, out on the back porch in the summertime uh, with the windows cracked open and uh, sunshine pouring in while we tramped our way around uh, Mutant Turf. And what was it? I was playing... Somebody with bad ears, wasn't I? Oh, yeah. The yeah. Wanderer. Yes, the Grey Wanderer. Uh, who, you know, wears that pilgrim-style hat uh, to cover up the fact that he's got pointy bad ears. <laughs> and I learned to be very afraid of sonic damage. Yeah, susceptibility. <laughs> um, but, you know, so much of the... Uh, another thing that people remember is the flowcharts to figure out artifacts. And, you know, like, well, you would figure out people would know how to use guns and pistols. And sure, that, those were easy ones. But some of the stuff, like even fusion blasters and Mark V torque cannons and guns, they made a little less sense to the people who are accustomed to... Well, uh, the new standard of warfare is going right back to ball and shot muskets and pikes. Well, and, you know, like to, to give you a contemporary correlating example, uh, why don't you take, uh, go to your garage, look at a wrench, or better still, a screwdriver, okay? Standard screwdriver, got a handle. You know, you find a screw, you turn the screwdriver, the screw goes in. Uh, it's all self-explanatory. It's hand-operated and super simple. Now, take one of the modern ones with the battery pack attachment and the charger and all of that, uh, and like the multiple uh, things, and you show that to somebody who has only ever used a screwdriver, and then expect them to change the battery out accurately and, you know, recharge it properly, and yeah, it, you begin to see that it for some folks, it might be a bit of a challenge. So, at least the game acknowledged that the cleverer and more cunning characters didn't have too much trouble with it. Yeah, and, you know, it was just a, a process of trial and error where you may waste a few charges or incinerate half the party. <laughs> so, you know, there was an inherent risk to playing with the artifacts from the ancients. Yeah, if it has a pointy-looking end, point it away from me, man. Yep. I'm going to go stand somewhere else. But, uh, you know, here's to a game that uh, may not have been as relevant as it was, but the time that we were growing up, it was, you know, it seemed like just like the day after tomorrow, Mad Max 
road warrior sort of thing. And there was a lot of good literature. I remember Into the Badlands and uh, Damnation Alley also being literature from that time. Inspired me for a lot of Gamma World fun. Oh, and Canticle for Leibowitz. Oh, yeah, and the Canticle for Leibowitz. You can't forget that one. That's a classic right there. And, uh, okay, of course, a little bit more focused on a certain type of post-apocalyptic rebuild. But uh, you still see shades of that. Now, as Mike mentioned, uh, Twilight 2000 would deal with more of a near, uh, uh, like a third world war, sort of limited nuclear exchange. And, you know, as you were soldiers scattered around with your last orders trying to regroup and get a last ship back to America, it was kind of fun um, to do that. But that was more military adventure than it was post-apocalyptic survival. But still, the resource management was there. You know, looting and scrounging was essential yeah. skills that you needed. Uh, we're trying to get from point A to point B, and we need X amount of gear to get through the opposition awaiting us. And, that, you know, it had elements of that. It was it was another piece of the dawn of gamer culture uh, that is now kind of forgotten. Yeah, and, and well, and good riddance to it. But, uh, you know, as much as we can look back and say, oh, that was a lot of fun, Gamma World was its own kind of thing. And, uh, you know, looking back at it, and only got good fun memories, and it was a lot of camaraderie and uh, there was a good amount of drama, laughs, and tension mixed together with a lot of good adventure. Oh, those unpredictable mutant powers. Uh, you know, what do you, what, what do you mean I'm see-through? Like, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm just... You're the visible man, Mike. Oh, ew. <laughs> you know, this, this, this is more gross than it is cool. <laughs> uh. I am, I'm not entirely sure I'm okay with this character, but I'm just going to forge ahead. Yeah, quote, unquote. And it was, we always salted ours with a lot of pop cultural references, you know, uh, that uh, Gamut World screen had uh, what one of the, had some chick wearing a dead Kennedy symbol around her neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, little, little leftover bits of, uh, you know, 20th century culture plucked from the rubble as decoration now. Yeah. Nothing like a pink mohawk to set you back in the 80s, huh? <laughs> yeah, a lot more common then than it is today. Yeah, so it was a time and a place, but I don't think that it's a loss, and it's a lot of fun. And also one of the things that I think about Gamble World is that one of its bigger draws was right out of the box it was a big world. It wasn't just like going through a few ruins and then branching out in the world. You know, there was a lot of wilderness travel right from the get-go. Yeah, we extrapolated a lot from the early set. Uh, I still have remnants of hand-drawn maps uh, by cross-referencing a map of the United States and then, you know, just pocking it with areas of damage and, you know, areas that have sunken into swamp. And uh, there was a lot of room for home creativity, too. So much like AD&D, it had that in common that you could take the data that was available to you, extrapolate from that, and then start homebrewing and building your own campaign world. Uh, you know, nerf a little bit of this, fluff up a little bit of that, and voila, it's got your own homemade spin on it, uh, just for a change of pace. Yeah. But we need a lot of that, too. Don't forget the great ode. I love the names <laughs> and a lot of things. You took a few letters off or added a few <laughs> extra ones, and it suddenly made it seem mysterious and new. So that was a big factor, too. And it would be remiss if we didn't mention Dungeon Crawl Classics, also as Mutant, uh, or Dungeon Crawl, Mutant Fantasy, I think it is. Mutant, mutant Future, Mutant... Oh, mutant Future, wasn't that it? 
Yeah, but Dungeon Crawl Classics is a new one. I've kind of forgotten, although I picked up a Gen Con. I haven't had a whole lot of time to sit down with it. But using the DCC system, so... Yeah, they're bringing I, back much of the favorite stuff from that retro era, which, again, is a thing that we just approve of enormously. You know, bringing some of these things back to life. Uh, plucking them from the graveyard out there with Igor and a shovel in the middle of the night, and then... You know, bringing him home to the lab and, oh. you know, run 50,000 volts through it until it... It's alive! Alive! Uh, happy days again mm -hmm. uh, to see those kind of games coming back and getting played at tables even now. Uh, without us having to dust off the antiques. Although they still stand on their own. Which is a monument to most of those games written in that era. They really did a great job. And also to the new era that, you know, we currently inhabit. So, straddling both worlds. Uh, yeah, I we'll cover some of the other great games of science fiction and other sessions to come. Uh, but, yeah, we really wanted to come out of the gate uh, on sci-fi gaming with uh, the biggest and the best for us. Yeah, for may not have been one that loomed large in everybody's memory. But of all of these science fiction-esque type games... Uh, that one was kind of firstest with the mostest to us. It, yep. it, it hit hard, uh, punched above its weight class, and brought us a level of entertainment that many of the others did not achieve. Not to speak ill of them, but, you know, <laughs> Gamma World deserved our, our first big sci-fi entry. Yep, and with that, that brings us about to the end. I think that we've revisited Gamma World, and thank you for all the times that I've taken die 8 and radiation damage. <laughs> um, we really, you know, that's one of the games that's near and dear to us, and we had a lot of fun back in the day. So hopefully yeah, some of you folks can try it out for yourselves with some of the retro clones, as they call them, or some of the newer stuff. But or if you dig up one of those old modules, you know, uh, give yourself an opportunity to you know be chased around the barnyard by a giant angry mutant chicken. Uh, oh, boy. Gallus Gallus 13 looked the F out. Okay. Yeah. I say, boy. I say. Now, I got something this. <laughs> that boy's got a point on him. But it's only on the top, the top of, his of his head. head. Yep. Huh. It's because he's got a row of spikes on growing out of his head. So, yeah, no matter what you do with uh, Gamma World, if you pull it out, dust it off, and go for some mutants and mayhem. But, uh, again, we thank you for sticking around and listening to us ramble on about our golden olden days. But uh, hope you make a few good memories of yourself. And let us know about them. You know, we're always open for suggestions and... What oh, you think about it? Yeah, oddball games that you played that we might not have heard of, which I mean, admittedly, you know, like the odds are pretty rare. Yeah, it's not not huge odds that we've never heard of it. Yeah, we could have talked but, about aftermath, but I. But there's a good. Oh, see, another perfect example. Yeah, but there's not. Like it wasn't really that great of a game. No, I did, but uh, not a lot of experience with that one either myself. Yeah. I remember it from the era, but uh, it was not a personal experience of mine. But let us know what you think, and as always, get a hold of us on Twitter or our Facebook page, The Dice Are Screaming. You can reach me at DeathHand, that's D-E-T-H-A-N-D, gaming.com. And myself. Or at uh, Twitter, uh, not .com, pardon me. <laughs> and myself at uh, MagiVox at Twitter. Yep, just let us know what you think, and also keep hitting that applause button and giving us likes, and we'll keep coming at you, even if you don't, so mm. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for us on Tuesday. Thanks for sticking around. And the dudes abide. <laughs> and remember... Oh, yes. We mustn't forget. May the, the dice, dice always roll, roll in your, your favor. favor. We're, We're out. out.
See you.